you control the guy or the woman who runs the run, run brings out the carts on, 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 on a forklift. It's time for the Buff Show. One hundred year. Look, here's the lives. It's just. It's. I mean, you think about it. And no idea what you said, Joe, but we understand the Buff Show. Deeply held by. Uh... By President, stop moving that, 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 that uh, you know, what's this thing called? That's a teleprompter, Joe. We'll take it from here. Let's go it. Joe Brandon, I agree. And here's your host, Matt Buff. Welcome to the Matt Buff Show. Great to have you with us. AM 950, 94.9 FM, The Answer Orlando. Also on Roku TV, the Patriot Podcast Network. Check out thebuffshow.com. I'm your humble host, Matt Buff, here in the Liam Fitzpatrick's Tuesday for this Thirsty Thursday. Yes, you're going to want to drink after you read the inflation numbers and everything. And we're going to head up to Canada and go back to our good friend Derek Bowen, author of the book In Defense of Wealth, a modest rebuttal to the charge the, to the charge the rich are bad for society. Derek, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Matt. Well, as all this came down today, I mean, they're setting records here in America. I don't know about Canada, but in, in America, we're setting records left and right. Highest gas prices ever, highest inflation, baby formula. We have to use the Defense to Production Act to import. We're just ship, We're just outsourcing everything again. And Derek, it's just ridiculous. Good to have you, though. Yeah, the, <laughs> the inflation is huge. And, and I don't think anybody uh, can, can underscore enough how much a big bump in inflation like this in such a short period of time, how much that affects everything. And, you know, the current administration, and, and by the way, in Canada, it's very similar. We follow the states locked because we're 10% of the size of the states and our biggest trading partners, the states, whatever happens in the states, we're the tail that wags on the dog. But okay. uh, this current administration, inflation was already 7.9% before the crisis in the Ukraine between the Ukraine and Russia. So this, this, this has come from the current administration and their policies on energy and their policies to tax and regulate businesses. Well, that's exactly right. And they just yesterday, the new press secretary who checked all the boxes, you know, black, gay, lesbian woman, um, that's what she that's why they put her in there. But she reads stuff and still blaming Putin, Putin price hike and everything. And they just ignore the fact that they're shutting down leases left and right. You know, their policies with the American Rescue Plan has been just an absolute disaster and driving inflation by printing more money. And Derek, the reason I was so glad to have you back today because you're in uh, your, their one main focus is if the rich pay their fair share, then we can get things back on track. But if they take tax money from you, Derek Bullen and friends like you, they're just going to blow it on nonsense, liberal climate change, garbage nonsense. And it's not going to fix anything. And Matt, they'll blow through whatever they take. They'll blow through it all in uh, three weeks. You know, it's not going to be systemic. And uh, what's interesting is, you know, when they're blaming things on Russia, that is such a straw man. The economy, the total economic output of Russia on their best day is smaller than the GDP of Texas. The economy of Russia is smaller than the state of Texas. How is such a tiny economy affecting the United States? It's just a total red herring. And you know, it's not only unconstitutional to do a double tax on the on the wealthy and say, hey, all this money you've made over a long period of time, we're now going to appropriate a percentage of it. And, and then at the same time, federally 
you know, Matt, th this year at 1.6 trillion will come in in federal income taxes. 40% will come from the top 1%. The first 57% will not pay any federal income tax. So the 1%, I was already carrying the, the, the majority of the load. And then if you look at state tax, so the state of California has the highest tax and they'll be bringing in $90 billion in state tax this year. And the top 1% in California will be paying 50% of the 90 billion brought in. So I'm entirely on side with you, Matt. Like, what is your fair share? Like, if you're carrying half or almost half of state and federal taxes with the 1%, it's a very necessary part of society for the prosperity of everybody. We need roads, schools, government programs, all of that. But, you know, my question would be why is everybody so concerned about what Elon Musk spends his money on and nobody's concerned about what the Biden administration spends their money on? Yeah, <laughs> that's a great and excellent point. We're going to dive into that. We're going to have a fun segment here. We're going to take a very boring news story and we're going to piece it apart and make fun of it and have some and have some fun with it. Awesome. But also, I want to play you a clip from Joe Biden because he keeps repeating the same rhetoric. And uh, just check this out. I'm not out to punish anybody. Oh, let me start it over there. There we go. I mean, he, he, I'm not out to first of all, he says he's a capitalist. So lie number one, Derek. <laughs> Here we go. Anybody. I have no problem with companies getting and generating reasonable profits. But in a, this moment of peril with the war overseas and inflation surging around the world, the last thing we should be thinking about is rewarding companies for exploiting the situation. You want to bring down inflation? Let's make sure the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share. First of all, he says he's a capitalist. The policies reflect otherwise. Number two, the war overseas, like you well, uh, pointed out very well there, just have nothing to do with the 7% that was before all that. And number three, he talks about being in peril, but that was policies he created. And he says the only way out, the only way out is to tax you. It's just, it's just insane. That's actually creepy to see him, see him run that. You know, uh, Democrats before him and 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 greater presidents before him, like uh, Bill Clinton, were actually very pro on letting business run and letting business. Uh, business is efficient. It's not. It doesn't exploit anything. It's efficient and it serves a need. No business gets uh, money or income unless people vote with their wallets for it. The reason Apple's such a big company is people like to buy iPhones. People like to use iTunes and people like to use Apple TV. They're not exploiting anybody, you know, for that. And the Biden policies, they're, they're just so harmful for everybody, even the uh, subsidies and then the ethanol mandates. So is causing the cost of corn and soy to go up. And so the average American, you know, if, if chicken is one of your protein sources, it's going up because the food the farmers have to feed their chicken is going up because of Biden's policies. He says his renewable energy is going to lower energy costs, but energy costs in the states are up 11%, you know, so far this year. He decimated the oil and gas industry with his policies, many people left the industry and it's hard to get people to come back in the industry. And, you know, the United States is 30% of the global GDP. And inside the United States, if you said, what's the number one export inside the, the GDP the United States creates every year? It's petroleum products. That is the, the United States number one product and he's killed it. So he's, he's, his policies are causing this inflation. Since he got in, like I told you, the federal income tax is 1.6 trillion this year. Since he got in, 
he his administration has printed an additional 1.9 trillion dollars in new money going out into the system and, and that's that's been a big cause of this inflation it, it everything points back to this this president and his administration yesterday the stock market took the biggest hit since 2020 you know the lockdowns <laughs> <laughs> and uh so they come out with a statement saying you know we don't look at the uh stock market all the time well i wouldn't either if i was you if i would say not all the time only look at it when it's good i mean that's insane so the stock market's tanking there's a lot of fears that the recession has already begun and if it's hitting us the tail is being wagged by the dog in Canada. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, Matt, in contemporary history, there's not a time where you had inflation go up rapidly by more than 5% that there wasn't a recession shortly thereafter. And then at the same time, there's not a time in contemporary history where you had a red hot job market and, and went into recession. So you've got two opposing forces. Inflation brings a recession, a hot job market stops a recession from coming. So I don't know if this administration is trying to orchestrate a uh, soft landing, but uh, one thing's for sure, the political cycle and the economic cycles are not synced at all. And I think Biden's message on pay the fair share is purely a political cycle. He he knows the, the number of people he needs to vote his administration back into office, vote his uh, party into the Senate. And he's appealing to those people by saying, let's go after the rich. They're not paying their fair share, which is just a lie. And uh, and then at the same time, the market is trying to do what the market does, survive and thrive. You know, and over the long term, recessions are good. They're like forest fires that weed out the weak competitors and then the, the more efficient competitors who can do things for a better price, uh, for a better product, better service survive. Um, it takes care of itself. But uh, this this political cycles, not in sync with the, the economic cycle we're experiencing. When you talk about a red hot job market, and by the way, Joe Biden, half of his Twitter followers are fake. Um, very oh. similar. <laughs> that came out <laughs> yesterday. I don't know if you know that. Wow. Um, makes us look at the votes again in 2020. But that being said, I don't think they have a path forward. Um, just by all indications, Americans are just fed up with this whole bit of nonsense just like canadians are fed up with trudeau i mean yeah. when you when you talk about a red hot job market 2017 18 19 how are your companies doing up in canada because down here in the united states companies were giving out bonuses um increased uh, revenue to their employees and tax breaks everywhere yeah, when the economy is running, everything's super hot. And, uh, you know, if you look at the diversity of the economy in the United States, it's it's magnificent, like it's more than magnificent. You know, even just the area around Silicon Valley is uh, so magnificent in the demand for talent. And that's spread all up all up the uh, West Coast. But now what's happening is in, in California, they, they are saying pay your fair share. And they're just coming up with punitive personal tax, punitive corporate tax. And California is now donating billions, billions in advantages, cash, jobs, everything to Texas, Nevada, Arizona, uh, Florida. You know, um, we all think of Microsoft when we think of uh, a success story in the software, and they are the world's largest software company. 
Oracle's the second largest software company in the world. And, and Larry Ellison just pulled the plug on California and said, if you want to make it that expensive, I'm just moving my head office over to Austin. And uh, along with him are coming a whole other sector of uh, companies into California. I mean, Elon Musk is going to build his Gigafactory in Texas now, not in California. And uh, they're just sending billions <laughs> that they would normally get in state taxes and corporate taxes they're just sending it out to, to other states it's just uh it's just crazy and california is on the same line as biden let's just tax heavily tax and regulate heavily businesses and just squeeze them and it just it just doesn't work We'll be back with more from Derek Bullen right here on The Buff Show after these messages. Hey, you may have heard radio show hosts talking trash on solar. Yes, even conservative talk show hosts. There was a silly comparison to trucks running 10,000 miles, carbon emissions, and panel production. It came off as like a liberal argument against a liberal problem. Shallow knowledge as opposed to experts in the field. Politics, global warming, and other environmental concerns aside, the number one reason to buy solar is simple math. Have you looked at your power bill? It has risen in the last five years. How much more will it go up in the next five years? It's a rigged game, and all solar energy empowers you to stop playing a rigged game. A solar electric system freezes your costs and shields you from upcoming rate increases. If you choose to finance a solar electric system, the payment on a system that zeroes out your bill is typically less than your current power bill. This is simple math. Call All Solar Energy in Longwood tomorrow at 866-412-4218 or online at www.allsolarenergy.com. More information on this later in the show. Liam Fitzpatrick's Restaurant and Irish Pub in Lake Mary. Happy hour drafts every day of the week and all day Sunday. Dollar off drafts and house wines, $2 off well liquors. And Liam Fitzpatrick's has tons of special events tonight. It's Taco Tuesday on Thursdays. Live music and specials all night on tacos, tequila, and margaritas. Friday's live music and happy hour, then brunch with $10 champagne over the weekend. Mention the Buff Show, get 10% off your order. Liam Fitzpatrick's Restaurant and Irish Pub in Lake Mary. LiamFitzpatrick's.com. Let's jump right back into it with Derek Bullen right here on The Buff Show. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up Bezos and Elon Musk because we're going to get into that war between them and the White House. It's just amazing. Let's start with that right now. Let me play this for you here. And um, I want to play this news report because it puts the tweets up and everything, Derek, so you can read them. And uh, you're the perfect guy to give takes on this. So here we go. The war of words between Jeff Bezos and the White House escalated on Monday with the two sparring over the Biden administration's handling of inflation and its plans to tax the rich. The latest round began when the Amazon CEO accused President Biden in a Friday. Okay, so let's read through this together because it was so good. Every time they do a news report on this, they miss the first line. It says that this is from Jeff Bezos. The newly created disinformation board should review this tweet from Joe Biden. Or maybe they need to form a new non-secular board instead. Raising corporate taxes is fine to discuss. Taming inflation is critical to discuss. Mushing them together is just misdirection. And that was in response to uh, Joe Biden with the tweet, you want to bring down inflation, pay your fair share. 
to half of his followers that are fake. But he tweeted that out, and that's Jeff Bezos. We're going to get to Musk, but I want to get your thoughts on Bezos, one of the other richest men in the world, right? They're all yep. turning on him, Derek, and I want to get your take on that tweet right there. And keep in mind, though, the disinformation board, the Ministry of Truth, is now gone. They got rid of it um, because they knew it was a they that was a bad idea. But give your thoughts on that tweet right there. Well, I think Joe Biden is making a political play, like actual policies that bring down inflation, which is, you know, stop the printing of, of money, uh, stop the punitive regulation on the energy industry, you know, let efficiencies flow, let business flow. That's what brings down in inflation. And it's really the policies of the Biden administration that are causing the inflation, the handouts that went out during COVID, um, very inflammatory. And, and Bezos is 100% correct. Raising corporate taxes is a separate issue. It just happens to appeal. It's a populist appeal to a broad set of voters. You know, there's there's voters who who aren't educated, don't read the news, don't have their own opinions, don't know the facts, and they'll just take Biden's word at what he says. And if they think the rich aren't paying the, their fair share, they'll believe that. But what Bezos is saying, he's saying it's entirely different than inflation. And inflation really is the big issue. And I think it's a message to Joe Biden to say, hey, you got to bring down inflation. And, you know, Joe Biden's chasing the golden goose. I mean, Amazon has 1.6 million employees, pays out 46 billion in wages, has uh, $18 in some sense minimum wage. So for minimum wage, it's a great minimum wage. They also have uh, incredible high tech jobs with their Amazon web services. They invest 45 billion a year in R&D. They have 25,000 and patents. I mean, how competitive does that make the United States of America? And Biden is uh, penalizing him for not paying your fair share, which there is nothing specific or factual about fair share every time Biden says it. It's just a populist slogan that he's running. Yeah, you can't put down fair share on a spreadsheet and and you know you just you just can't. That's an opinion. But real quick, uh corporate taxes, right? Um when they came down two points under Trump, that's when uh it injected bonuses into the economy from businesses. Um, it was a huge stimulus, huge stimulus to, to business. It was. It was a it was just and it was a private sector stimulus. It wasn't a government, it was the business making that decision themselves. So when he says raising corporate taxes is fine to discuss and taming inflation is critical, Biden, you talked about all that revenue coming from uh, taxes from uh, Amazon employees a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you saw it, but Biden was giving a speech to Amazon employees talking about unionizing them. That would even squeeze more out of them. And they just see that opportunity. All they're trying to do is go around to these private businesses and all these uh, companies and say, we want to unionize you and squeeze every dollar we can from the, for the federal government so we can spend it on our wish list. That, that, that money, that $90 billion from California, you could finish the wall. You can in, install more Border Patrol and uh, agents down there. You can solve the baby formula crisis with that money. I mean, right. and you can rebuild the leases and it would all be paid for by California. But they want to squeeze it, turn it into a union. And there you go. Spend it on their their wish list. It's so true. And he's going after union votes. And, you know, people think that unions are uh, nonprofit organizations. Unions are big 
nonprofit organizations, their mandate is to get as many paying members as you can. Uh, union dues is how they make their money, and unions make billions of dollars. It's a business. A union is a business just like the businesses they try to exploit. And if you talk about ex exploitation, unions exploit businesses and they will exploit businesses and to the point that the businesses fail just like the auto industry in detroit they exploited the auto industry until it finally became the only two choices for an automaker in the in the states were to automate your factory with robotics like volkswagen has done or move your manufacturing to Tecate, Mexico, and that's where Toyota makes their their trucks, or, or some have moved up in Canada, and some are shipping across from Asia. And uh, unions are are highly destructive. They're they're not value creators; they're value diminishers. And they have a role if it's a dangerous job, you know, where they have to make sure you have safety standards and and uh, health standards. But uh, as far as squeezing, squeezing, squeezing until there's nothing left uh, and the company is no longer competitive and starts going out of business, that unfortunately is where a lot of these union deals go. But Biden is pandering to to votes uh, of people that are either pro-union, don't understand the what prosperity companies and uh, wealth creators bring to their community, and uh, he's, he's doing it with misinformation. And I just love how Bezos is calling it out on Twitter. Well, we just got started on this, but I wrote that down. Freedom Foundation is on the show too. They help get people out of unions. They're not value creators. They're value destruction. <laughs> That's perfect. Let's continue this here. Tiny tweet of misleading the public when Biden said that raising corporate taxes would help bring down inflation. That was followed by a weekend tweet in which the billionaire slammed Biden for, quote, trying to inject even more stimulus into an already overheated inflationary economy. On Monday, oh, we got to go back to that because what does the media do? Not read the whole thing. And right. uh, man, he said only Manchin saved them from themselves. If that Build Back Better plan would have passed Derek Bullen, we'd be in a really big mess right now, bigger than the mess. And I don't even know if that's possible, but it would have been much worse because that would have been another you know, just a Green New Deal package like they tried to do before. Exactly. And, you know, Biden is uh, the 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 first Democratic president in recent history who's not pro-business like, uh, you know, uh, Clinton was pro-business. Obama was pro-business. You know, he he knew that America needed uh big banks, regulatory banks, and he bailed them out. He bailed out the large manufacturers and he knew America needed that. Whereas Biden is on the opposite track. And this, what Bezos is saying here is absolutely correct. Biden in, has already injected $1.9 trillion into the economy. And when you inject cash into the economy, you can't print cash because you're not printing value, you're just printing cash. And, it, and it's a hidden tax. It makes everything more expensive because everybody has more money, you know? And Venezuela, when Venezuela elected Hugo Chavez, and he's like, I'm going to make everybody pay their fair share. I'm going to redistribute the wealth. In 2019, Venezuela had 10 million percent inflation. So if you were a teacher <laughs> on a pension in Venezuela, your annual pension today will barely buy you a loaf of bread. And that's what happens if you try to print your way out of these things, print your way out with money. And uh, hyperinflation has happened in so many African companies. It's happened before in Turkey. Uh, it happened in uh, Germany just before the war. And, uh, it, you know, if Biden kept going, Bezos is right. It would be a disaster to keep printing money. 
Yeah, the what happened in Venezuela, which was a utopia, was a great economy, and they just absolutely yeah. destroyed it. The same thing's happening here. Here's the White House response. It says it doesn't require a huge leap. Basically, they say, if you don't believe this, you're an idiot. To figure out why the, of the wealthiest individuals on earth oppose an economic agenda for the middle class that cuts some of the biggest costs family face, fights inflation for the long haul, and adds a, to the historic deficit reduction the president is achieving by asking the richest taxpayers and corporations to pay their fair share. There's this, another word salad there, Derek. It's this. This is like a uh, student marking their own essay and saying, "My essay is good." So what they've done <laughs> is they they're demonizing the rich. They they don't quantify what fair share is. Like like they should say like we want the one percent not to pay forty percent of taxes. We want the one percent to pay eighty percent of taxes. They they need to come out of the closet and say this is what they're paying now and this is what we want them to pay because I think the U.S. populace will go that makes no no sense at all and then what they're doing is they're labeling their agenda as the solution it's just a political slogan but it has no uh grounding in reality corporate taxes has never incre increasing taxes beyond 50 percent for an individual or increasing corporate taxes has never brought a sustained uh increase into the coffers because companies and wealthy individuals can leave like in uh, france in the 80s they had a very socialist agenda and they brought in a wealth tax of 0.5 to 1.5 percent of everything a person owns if a person had a certain amount of wealth and the exodus of uh, millionaires and billionaires and companies out of france caused macron to say oh my god we've become cuba without the sunshine all of our wealth creators are leaving and uh it was just a disaster so he canceled that wealth tax uh, uh himself and uh france is recovering but biden is on this left of center socialist agenda that if we just if we just squeeze uh the people who are creating the prosperity for everyone they'll they'll stay they'll enjoy being squeezed and they'll just give us more and more and more and nobody's asking the question why do you need to squeeze and what are you spending the money on and at the same time you're doing things to diminish the efficiency of the united states economy it was a couple decades ago when uh, europe really tried the socialism you yeah. notice they've been backtracking that for quite some time now and it's it's really interesting so Elon Musk tweets out today that he is now voting Republican. He's had enough. And Bezos responded to that Biden press release. Um, Look, a squirrel, you know, like a dog sees a squirrel. It's a good yeah. distraction. He goes, this is the White House statement about my recent tweets. They understandably want to muddy the topic. They know inflation hurts the neediest the most, True. but unions aren't causing inflation and neither are wealthy people. Remember the administration tried dot, dot, dot. Quit blaming everybody else. And <laughs> there you have it, the war of words. But the blame game is the other thing you talk about. Not just uh, wanting to squeeze. It's the blame. It's Putin. It's Trump. It's the policies of Trump. It's the wealthy. It's everybody but us, but their own policy. And when you and Derek, when you said, check out, it's like a student graining their own paper. They're just terrible at this. Yeah, <laughs> you can see why um, billionaires are buying their own press to get free press. And and I do hope Elon Musk. I think he might be revaluing re getting a better price on Twitter, but I do hope he buys it. So when you see Benioff who bought time magazine, time magazine was struggling. I mean, Google 
uh, has done so well. Google gets more revenue than all the print in the United States now. And uh, Time Magazine, Benioff saw it as a foundational piece of journalism for American society and he wants it to be balanced. And so he bought it, kept it, and is running it. So he's now like, you don't have to worry about going out of business. You just have to worry about good fact-based journalism. And then at the same time, Bezos bought the Washington Post. It was struggling. And he's, I think he's doubled the amount of journalists. There's still a very heavy bias to the left inside the Washington Post, but they're, they, they do get the facts, you know, behind their stories more than other, other papers. And then Twitter, Twitter is probably the greatest equalizer for free press right now in America, because America is very well balanced between the right, the left, and then the moderates in the middle. And on Twitter, everybody can say their, can say their uh, deal. Like, wouldn't Biden love to shut down Twitter and suspend Jeff Bezos' account? Because Bezos is telling the truth, and <laughs> Bezos has a following, and he's got ears. Elon Musk has a following. He's got ears. When Donald Trump was on Twitter, Donald Trump ran it like his own personal newspaper saying, here's the other side of the story. Here's the other things you need to consider, you know, and uh, I think uh, Elon Musk wants to buy Twitter to make sure that it it remains free because right now Twitter can arbitrarily just suspend someone's account forever. And those people aren't balanced representative representation of the uh, people of the United States or on the globe. The, the Twitter people who are quitting with the thought of working for Elon Musk, they're these people who are running this woke agenda to support and try this grand experiment in socialism. I could play you many clips from Project Veritas on how the Twitter employees are proud to be socialist, how they hate free speech. Yeah. They tell you themselves over a beer. They tell you themselves how much they hate it and why and how they destroyed everybody's accounts on there because they don't believe there should be another side. And to wrap this up, Jeff Bezos is a liberal, right? He is yeah. no friend of the conservatives. Elon Musk is a liberal, no friend of the conservatives. But if these two are turning on this administration, Go back to the tweet Bezos put out there when it talks about the neediest hurting the most. Most, If those two are turning, imagine the scores of people across North America that are done with this administration. And in Canada, we are done with this woke socialist agenda. Their ability to tolerate hypocrisy, the Biden administration, the current Trudeau administration in Canada, their ability to tolerate their own hypocrisy is almost superhuman, Matt. And I think that the facts coming out on what's really at play is really speaking to a lot of people in, Your in book, America. You're right. Your book was prophetic. I want everybody to check it out. Defiance of Wealth, a modest rebuttal to the charge that the rich are bad for society. You can find it on Amazon. No, no kidding. Amazon. We gave all that pub to Jeff Bezos. We got the link on thebuffshow.com slash Derek Bullen. Derek, thank you so much for being a great guest on this very important day in American and Canadian history. Thank you, Matt. A pleasure. Stay well. All right. You too. We'll be back on The Buff Show. You guys stay with us. 
Since 2012, Cellulartronics has been providing Central Florida with the best phone repair, electronics repair, and computer repair. They fix all electronics from iPhones, Samsung, Sony, and many more. They also do TV repair and fix your tablets. Right now, you can get a glass back cover for the iPhone 8 to an iPhone X for only $95. iPhone 11 and up back covers are only $120. With one super convenient location, 31 South Charles Richard Beale Boulevard in DeBerry. Or call them at 386-516-6185. Visit Cellulartronics.com. Cellulartronics. Since 2012, Cellulartronics. Action Plus Pressure Cleaning is the official pressure washing company of The Buff Show. While Matt's doing the dirty work on the show, Action Plus Pressure Washing has been doing the dirty work for the last 15 years in Central Florida. They use a soft wash system to clean pool enclosures, driveways, pool decks, houses, and commercial property. They even clean large and small parking lots and buildings. Wow! Action Plus offers other services such as lawn maintenance, one-time service to weekly service, mowing, weeding, edging, and trimming, and hauling away debris. You can get more than one service, and they offer bundle pricing. Check out their weekly, bi-weekly, and monthly services for lawn maintenance and ask about their free standard two-driveway with house wash services. Family-owned and operated, get your free estimate at actionpluspressurecleaning.com or call 386-506-1048. That's 386-506-1048. Action Plus Pressure Cleaning. They aim to please. Welcome back to the Map Up Show. Great to have you rolling along with us on this Thursday. Wow, just like that, almost the weekend. And that means it's Freedom Foundation Thursday on the Buff Show. The Freedom Foundation is not your average think tank. The Freedom Foundation is a battle tank. Our job is to defend the rights of public employees against the nation's biggest bullies, government unions. Government unions are the single largest funder of the radical left in America. They take money directly out of the pockets of hardworking teachers and other public employees to impose their extremist agenda, which now includes closing our schools, defunding the police, and promoting racism through the teaching of critical race theory. The Freedom Foundation is here to stop all that by helping tens of thousands of public employees leave their unions in Oregon and throughout the country. We're liberating people to put their money back in their pockets and out of the union's radical political agenda. Thank you for standing with us in the biggest battle that we face as freedom fighters. Such a great song and such a great bunch of guests, always from the Freedom Foundation. Tim Snowball, how you doing? He's he's back, litigation counsel for Freedom Foundation. How you doing, my friend? Matt, thanks for having me. You know, you played that speech by Aaron before we start, and it's like giving Popeye spinach or something. You're getting me all fired up to talk about this stuff. That's not well, that's the point, man. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta save more people money and we gotta stop these unions from stealing money. We're gonna get into that with you. Also, let's head up to Oregon. Dmitry Sashenko is back on the show, and that's the second time in a row I nailed your name, Dimitri. Thank you. It's good to be here. I appreciate it. All right. So very cool stuff. Right before you guys came on tonight, Derek Bullen was on the show and he's an author talking about leave us rich people alone. We provide jobs, right? Stop trying to tax us for useless spending. He talked about the unions because that was a big story this week with Amazon. And he said, unions are not value creators. They are value destruction. And he highlighted several examples of how when a union 
moves into a business or a location, they completely destroy it, Tim Snowball. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, I think it's important to make the distinction between uh, private sector unions and public sector unions. Of course, what we deal with the Freedom Foundation are public sector unions. And I mean, even FDR, this, you know, like the Emperor Palpatine of the left or whatever, right? I mean, even he looked at the idea of public sector unions and went, my God, like this is completely wrong. The idea that public servants who are being paid by taxpayers uh, can somehow, you know, thwart the will of the people. Were the Death Star workers, were those <laughs> private sector or uh, were they from the empire? Were they uh, public sector? Listen, if they were, if they were unionized, of course, uh, that, that's a debate amongst the nerd uh, message boards, I think. We can get into that maybe <laughs> off offline, but that, that is a legitimate question, Matt. I'm sure you may have considered that before. It sounds like you've given that some thought. So, Well, when you mentioned Palpatine, I couldn't help but ask because I, <laughs> I, I remember the movie Clerks where they talked about that. Yeah, I talked about the contract workers there. But I digress here on Freedom Foundation Thursday on the Buff Show. If there was, Dimitri, a federated union, uh, you guys would be the uh, rebellion, I guess. You guys be getting them out of the union. So that's a cool thing. That's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah, because of Death Star. I mean, talk about the high risk of death. You know, <laughs> you don't want to waste all your money on that stuff. Dimitri, got to talk to you about the uh, Oregon primaries. Our uh, our fella crumb fucker didn't make it. Uh, a lot of uh, conservatives did pretty well, though. Uh, I would say there's a decent amount of good conservatives that uh, got through. One uh, one specific election that I was looking at specifically was the labor uh, very uh, position, and uh, you know the the union involvement in that position has been just tremendous. You know, I've seen over $300,000 that was donated just from the unions, the government unions to that campaign. And, you know, we look at the Biden campaign and he said he's going to be the most pro-union uh, uh, president. And he received over $76 million from the government unions. And he now is in the pocket of the unions. And same thing here, you know, receiving the millions of dollars uh, here in Oregon as well, all across the board as well. But specifically this position, you know, $300,000, that's just... You know, about a month ago that I was looking at the numbers, I'm sure it's even more. And uh, that, that specific candidate won. And if we look at all the other positions, Tina Kotek, uh, you know, they received uh, just a tremendous amount of money from the government unions. It's very interesting on the Buff Show where we talk about school board, people looking out for them. One thing that the Freedom Foundation does is look at candidates that are you going to help with the cause of helping people become free from the union, according to the Janus decision. Tim Snowball, there was a case that you were working with where somebody hasn't, you know, renewed their membership since like 1999 or something, <laughs> and they just can't stop the union from taking money from them. What the heck's going on with that case? Yeah, I mean, look, the the, the foundation was started with, with, with a mission of going out and telling people about their First Amendment rights and going door to door in certain cases and just telling people what the government doesn't want them to know, which is they have the right to decide how to spend their own money. So when the government turns around and doesn't let people actually, you know, exercise those rights when they find out about it, that's when we step in the attorneys and we wind up filing lawsuits. So we have a new case we just filed in federal court, California. Michael Crane is an army veteran. He's a longtime employee of the sheriff's department down there. And yeah, he signed a card last century. That's just like his signature and like a checkoff. Here's how much money I'm, I'm willing to give you. And, and, 
you know, for a long time, he's looked at what the union's been doing, has been skeptical about it. They're out there politicking instead of uh, pushing the rights of individuals. And so he even became a vice president of the local for a, a period, trying to turn things around, wasn't able to get anywhere. And finally, you know, it came to uh, people getting fired for not taking the COVID, COVID vaccine. It was a mandatory vaccine and the union didn't take any position on it. He turns around and says, that's it. And sent him an opt out letter. And they go, uh, yeah, you know, we'd like to let you out, Mike, but there's this MOU, this memorandum of understanding between the county and the union, and you're bound by that. And they sent him a copy and it was expired. So the two documents they're trying to continue to take his money under are an expired agreement that he wasn't a party to and a card that he signed last century. And so here's the here's the kicker, Matt. We, we sue them in federal court, right? It takes a federal lawsuit to get these guys to do anything. We file a temporary restraining order trying to get the judge to step in and stop the deductions. And within three hours of us filing that paper, the union turns around and says, oh, hey, sorry, Mike. You know, hey, by the way, oh, you're out of the union and uh, we're going to stop taking the money And here. We're going to cut you a check. Right. And it just goes to show that these guys knew what they were doing was wrong the entire time we, they were doing it. And it took us filing a federal lawsuit in order for them to step in and recognize Mike's rights. And so the resolution is still coming apparently on this guy, but it's just unbelievable because it's already been deemed by the Supreme Court. I mean, you can opt out. Yeah, and, and, and look, I wish I wish I could say this was one bad act uh, and a one-off event by these guys, but this is it has become a common litigation tactic where they will not listen to individual employees until they get sued, and the majority of people, of course, can't hire. A private counsel, the Freedom Foundation steps in and provides pro bono legal representation to some folks, a limited number of people. But that's the only way you can ever get these people to recognize what they're doing. And then as soon as you sue them, they go, oh, here's a check. And we want to make the lawsuit go away. And yeah. uh, as long as they exist, we're going to be fighting back. Well, you guys keep fighting and you guys are really building a good following because Dimitri, I got to put my Freedom Foundation hat on for this question. Okay. <laughs> Because on the West Coast, when, you know, Tim was talking about that case in California, you're just up the road quite a ways, yes, but still people voted with their wallets this, uh, this primary that you had, judging by the results you talked about and just what we saw, they need all the money they can get. And number one, this money's going into causes they don't support when it comes to some unions and they just need all the money they can get. So talk about your outreach efforts and how's it going in uh, one of the bluest states in our union. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, SCAU has always been one of the most unpopular unions uh, in, in, in Oregon. It's just the same way. Uh, you know, we, we just put out a, a mailer all across the West Coast that talks about the forgeries that uh, that's been happening and that I know that Tim has been uh, involved with and uh, our Oregon team. And, you know, that, that mailer just talks about how the unions force and they trick and they cheat all the time. And that's why the, the public employees are leaving that those unions. You know, we see every month about 100 employees try to leave the SEAU. And a lot of them are unfortunately are, are uh, in bondage for, with these uh, opt-out windows. But a lot of them are successful as well and leaving and they're happy about it. And they, they don't want to look back. And a lot of them are actually want to help actually reach out to their employees or their coworkers and let them know that there is an organization like Freedom Foundation who is happy to help them and who wants to help them. And uh, we do it every day and I'm happy with the work that we do. And, uh, you know, this month alone, we've seen even an increase in SAU opt-outs. 
because again, with the election that's coming up, I, I've, I've, I've seen some of the endorsements come from the FCAU and there's a whole booklet that comes out every election season. And if you look at that booklet, that's pretty much uh, you know left uh, leftist agenda driven uh, candidates on there pretty much 99% of the time. And I always look for, you know, if there's any conservative and there's almost never, uh, unfortunately. So this election has been a very interesting one, like, uh, like, like never before. And I'm looking forward to the general that's going to be in November with all these primary candidates. And, you know, we're going to see the union's involvement continuously going in and uh, constantly just continuing pushing this leftist agenda. And I don't think they're going to stop. And uh, we're going to continue fighting. Well, the general is going to be interesting. By the way, did they name that book, uh, that booklet you're talking about, Rules for Radical, or was it Mein Kampf? Which one was it? <laughs> one of those. One of those. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tim, they're going further left is my point there. They're going absolutely further to the left, and they're using money now. They're trying to influence schools. I want to ask you about the war between Bezos, because unions came up a lot when it comes to Amazon. Biden gives a speech, right, about it to Amazon employees about how you should unionize. But that would really have a bad impact on Amazon, who already pays a pretty good living wage to its employees and pretty high degree of uh, workmanship and experience that they're getting there. Bezos said no thanks to that. And Tim, you know why. Yeah. And I mean, look, I think there are two basic principles in this debate that people are are forgetting about and neglecting. Number one is we live in the United States of America. And in the United States of America, it's a presumption of liberty. And individuals are supposed to be able to make their own decision about what they're wanting to do. And so if individuals want to get together and decide to join a union and it's all out in the open, that's one thing. That's basic sure. collective action and, and political speech. It's something else for government to intervene in that process and put a finger on the scale uh, in favor of the unions because the unions are a source of political power and money flowing to their political campaign coffers. That's something entirely different. Now, a note on Amazon, you know, people say strange things like, oh, well, Amazon, Amazon's got too much money. You know how you make money in a free market economy? By providing goods and services at a price that people are willing to engage in. So I God God bless Jeff Bezos and, and Amazon. And like <laughs> I look, I look at American society and I say, I want there to be more millionaires. You know why? Because every time I see a millionaire, I look at someone who has improved the lives of probably hundreds of thousands of other people through free exchange without a government bureau having to be involved, uh, deciding who can buy what at what price and when. Dimitri, the people he's talking about, they just look at somebody like Bezos, Amazon. They look at these corporations and be like, man, how can we grab some of that money to waste on useful social programs and climate change? Yeah, they do it all the time. They do it all the time. And we see it. And you know, I have some teachers who share some of the things that they experience with here in Oregon. And, you know, they, they, they share some of the material that they receive from the government unions, from the OEA here in Oregon. And it's just a leftist propaganda. Uh, and they're not, like I said, they're not going back. They're, they're just continually going more left and left. And uh, like I shared last time, you know, I come from, I was born in the Soviet Union. And I, I, I've heard about these uh, just crazy uh, ideas that come from the, from the government unions for, uh, all the time. And, and it's just something that I see here as well. And I, I, I don't want that to happen to this country. And I, I, that's why I'm proud of working for this organization uh, to continue this fight. Yeah, Tim, what are some of the craziest things you've seen? Because I know this litigation probably is piling up on your desk, like you said in the beginning of the interview. What are some of the crazy ones you see? Because the 1999 thing, I mean, 
talk about what we didn't have as a society in 1999. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, well, I mean, it's it's one thing to say, hey, look, uh, someone signed a card with us, and this is a contract, and all we're trying to do is enforce a contract. I mean, that applies all the way from you know this question down to when you hire someone to mow your lawn, right? I mean, it's just an agreement. It's one thing to say that. It's another thing, like in the case of Michael Crane, to try to enforce contract terms that don't exist. Or in other cases we have where, as Dimitri mentioned, someone didn't even sign a card. Like, it'll they'll, they'll, they'll say, here's the card binding you, and it'll be like one of those electronic signatures put in by, like, PDF signing software or something. And they're like, I didn't sign that. What is that? And, and so, again, I mean, this entire thing, when you step back from it, you know, it's the individual employees whose First Amendment rights are being affected. But when you stand back from it and look at it, there are systemic problems across this entire sector having to do, again, with these unions not only wanting to ignore a Supreme Court decision, but circumvent it. Just amazing. I, I know I kind of ask you to repeat that every time you're on, but I think it's really important for the the listening audience and viewing audience to know what kind of sneaky behavior is going on around there. Last question to you, Dimitri. This summer, those teachers are going to be a lot of teachers up there going to be looking for a different option. And I'll preface that when I talked to Angela Plowhead, the uh, candidate that she finished third, not too bad in her primary in Oregon. But uh, she was also really big on uh, talking about the unions there, and she's also a psychologist. And it's just very interesting, her take on the teachers up there, where you're just talking about months ago where the masks came off the kids. Months ago. For in Florida, it's been years, two years, but months up there. there. You might be getting a lot of calls this summer because those teachers, they're looking for a better alternative, and they try to buy supplies sometimes. They want to save some money, too, with the West Coast gas prices. Absolutely. Yeah, Angela is a great friend, and she's she's done a great job with her campaign. And I, I love that she was so involved. You know, we've talked previously about the Newburgh uh, situation that happened uh, that became a national attention, but she was very involved in that area. She's seen teachers and parents just completely uh, just devastated by what's going on in those areas. A town that used to be such a nice little place where everybody was so united and as a family. And now if you go there, it's such a divided town, unfortunately. And a lot of it has to do with the government unions coming in and, and just pushing this leftist agenda. And we see this uh, we see this all the time. So uh, this summer is going to be a great summer. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I know in September, if, if a teacher is listening right now, that's usually their opt-out window for the OEA. And uh, we're going to be uh, uh, capitalizing on that. We're going to be reminding folks uh, early on about that date. I know last year when we announced that uh, this is the opt-out window, when we found out that's the opt-out window for the teachers, we saw a, just an incredible, incredible, probably record number of teachers leaving the teachers union when they're informed and when they equipped with this information. So uh, we're going to be doing the same thing this year, and we're expecting even more teachers to leave. And uh, it, again, if anybody, if anybody's listening and from Oregon, it's the month of September. Uh, just be looking out for that. I encourage teachers to leave earlier because. Uh, the unions do all sorts of crazy tricks, and they're going to try to uh, dry, dry out this uh, this window, and they're going to try to let people leave afterwards, and they're going to say, "Nope, I'm sorry, you're you're uh, you're expired." So, uh, if you're hearing this, you know, leave now, and uh, we'll help you navigate this uh, this process. And uh, and I'm 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 just looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great summer, and we're already seeing a record number of uh, of teachers leaving this th- this time of the year, and it's only going to get better. 
Help me, Freedom Foundation. You're our only hope, right, Tim? There's a Leia reference to finish it off. <laughs> full circle. <Did> we... <laughs> we went first full circle. I didn't know you were friends with Angela Plowhead. She was phenomenal. We had her on the show a bunch. Yes, um, that was friend. our pick for, for that district up there. Do you know if she has any other plans to continue on? Because I know she would have been very friendly with you guys. I texted her the day of the election, uh, kind of told her that uh, I loved her race and, and I see a bright future for her. And she has, uh, she's very optimistic. She's looking forward to the next, uh, for next uh, Endure. So uh, I'm, she's not, uh, she's not, you know, she's not down or anything. She's looking forward to continuing this, uh, this fight. She's not giving up. That's good. Yeah, she shouldn't give up. Absolutely. Because like you said, her small community there, Tim, this is happening everywhere. These small communities in, you know, not everywhere is Portland is what she was saying. It's not all Portland out here. Um, so that's how it is across the country. And then from what Dimitri said, Tim, you're going to have your hands full this summer. Look, I, I think that as long as government exists, it's going to be a necessary evil, right? And, you know, the founders would say, and, and is always going to be this constant vigilance that is required uh, for the maintenance of liberty. But that's okay because I think Dimitri and, and, and individuals like myself, you know, this we don't look at this as a job. It's more or less a passion. And, and so uh, I am one of the fortunate individuals who gets to wake up and go to work every day and not drag myself into the office or whatever, but actually be very excited about yeah. the chance to make history and to help individuals. Well, you know? with this task force that they created with this, why? I mean, Dimitri, I think you said it right at the top. This is the most pro-union government we've ever seen. They even created a task force yeah. and uh, it does nothing, just like the rest of their pro pet projects. Yeah. Yeah, and so, they're gonna they're gonna slowly just drag themselves down to a hole, and we're gonna be here to to help the employees, uh, those that are, who want to leave and not support this leftist agenda. We're gonna be here to help them. So uh, one thing that I always start, share with everybody, even if you're not in the union, even if you're maybe no longer a member, share with your coworkers, share with your your friends, and just spread this message because it's only gonna help everybody else. It's gonna help those people individually as well who are not involved in the unions. It's going to help you. Uh, so just just continue sharing what we do. Share our, go on our Instagram page, go on our YouTube page, share our content. It's going to continue spreading this message because the number one thing that we're seeing is we're seeing a huge censorship from the unions, from the government, with all the outreach that we do here in Oregon and all across the nation. So anything that any of the employees that can help us spread this word will help uh, just in the, in the long run will help everybody. Go to freedomfoundation.com, everybody, and you can click on these profiles of these guys and send them a message directly. If you have a question for Tim or Dimitri, right on the site, this is a very transparent organization that loves to help you. Optouttoday.com too, right? That's right. Okay, very good stuff, guys. Have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us on the show with this great insight. Tim, we got to get you back on for follow-ups on some of these issues and cases that we're talking about. Anytime, Matt. Okay, sounds Thanks, good. Matt. Thank you, guys. That'll uh, We'll be back on the Buff Show. You guys stay with us. Veritas Tactical. Tactical. A family and law enforcement-owned company where you can get custom-built ARs with purpose-built precision. They have a full line of handguns like Glock, Six Hour, Smith & Wesson, and get your everyday carry items and accessories. Moreover, they are your Liberty Safe dealer. Need training? Veritas Tactical has all you need from getting your CCW to advanced tactical courses, female survival courses, and force-on-force scenarios. Veritas Tactical has a full-time gunsmith on site, Sarah Coding Services, Laser 
engraving, and more. Mention The Buff Show and get a $25 discount on courses. You'll find Veritas Tactical at 207 North Goldenrod Road, Suite 200 in Orlando. Contact Veritas Tactical, 407 309 309 3000 and at veritastactical.com. An energy evaluation by a qualified professional to get the fully informed information is always recommended. If your home qualifies, solar is always a prudent financial move. All Solar Energy in Longwood has been educating homeowners, roofing companies, property management firms, and now radio hosts about solar for 22 years. We have experts to perform no cost, no obligation energy evaluations to see if your home qualifies and explain the simple math of solar. Call All Solar Energy tomorrow at 866-412-4218 or visit the website www.allsolarenergy.com. Let them know you heard about it from me, Matt Buff, on The Buff Show. Welcome back to the Matt Buff Show. You hear us talking a lot about the evil in the world. So let's head over to Adam Bly. He's a layman and church decreed expert in religious demonology and exorcism for the Diocese of Pittsburgh. Also served in the, an expert in these areas in training priests, deacons, and um, laity and many other dioceses. So, Adam, great to have you on the show. Thanks, Matt. It's nice to be here. Okay, well, we talk about um, the devil being the prince of the world. How about I throw that at you first? <laughs> well, yeah, so, you know, that that's basically a roundabout way of referencing original sin. So, you know, through the fall in the garden, uh, this creation was tainted by original sin. And so the devil in a sense, and so that's why Jesus references him as a prince of this world. But remember, princes aren't kings. No, no, just the prince, and he has a certain amount of, what do you call it, jurisdiction, and that is the worst and, and most uh, awful things you've seen in this world. Um, you wouldn't want to hear the worst things I've seen, nor would your listeners want to hear them. It would, it would wound your imagination to share it with you. I don't share those things. It's too terrible. Wow, that is awesome. That is not awesome. It's just fascinating that you would say that. I just got just dumbfounded when you said that, because when it comes to possession, people have seen movies, right? Heads spinning around and like that. It's really not like that in most cases, is it? No, heads don't spin around, though we've seen bones dislocate on a number of occasions and then spontaneously go back into place. We've seen the body bend in very unusual ways that it shouldn't bend. Um, you know, and we've seen some other physical things, but no actual head spinning around. And talk about haunting. You've done some work on that? Well, sure. Um, so usually when people say hauntings, they mean poor souls. Uh, from a Catholic perspective, we would understand them to be souls in purgatory that still need prayer to finish making their way to heaven. And so they ghost hunters. They don't move Ouija boards or pendulums. Uh, none of that because those things are strongly forbidden in the Bible. You know, that's necromancy. And so the poor souls aren't going to draw us into those sins. Uh, there are also violations of the first commandment when you do those things. So hauntings are easy to deal with. It's one visit. We say the prayers for the dead and everything stops. 
Okay, I want everybody to check out your book, the book you wrote, Hauntings, Possessions, and Exorcism. That was released in 2017. Mm-hmm. What have you seen since then that um, has caused more writing? Well, I've investigated a number of miracles for the church in addition to these demonic phenomenon. And so I wanted to write a book on um, miracles, and that's called The Catholic Guide to Miracles. And then this book that's coming up in September is more of an in-depth case study book of the possession cases in order to show the public what to avoid, how not to get into trouble. Okay. And um, now you also had Exorcism, the Battle Against Satan and His Demons come out in 2020. So what's the new book called? I just want to make sure everybody knows this. I think you're mixing me up there with with something else. So the, the new book is The Exorcism Files. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, I have The Exorcism Files here. Um, on the link, it put somebody had a similar book. Sorry about that, Adam. But yeah, the exorcism files is the one I'm talking about. I cl- yeah, I have uh, your notes all here for the show, <laughs> and there was an ad there that came up. <laughs> uh, the exorcism files. Um, these are true stories of demonic pers- uh, possession that right. um, from your extensive experience in cases. Now you've also worked in prisons too. Um, you've mm-hmm. seen some things there. Yeah, so I worked as a psychological services specialist in the Pennsylvania prison systems in two different institutions um, for a total of about five or five and a half years. Um, And that was, of course, more dealing with mental illness and and human evil in in terms of the bad things people do to get into prison. And where do you think all this stems from? Because we've talked about fatherless homes. And we've talked about the broken family system in America. Do you think that is a good start to looking at the root of the problem there? Well, on the human evil and the criminal side, what you see when you work with guys in prison is that the vast majority have substance abuse issues, either alcohol or drugs that contributed to the crimes. And then the other thing is uh, the vast majority have broken homes or they were abused. So if the family were to stay together, uh, and we were to take better care of our kids, that would address quite a bit of it. Okay, very good. And in this book, you also talk about oppression and possession, the key signs of diabolic possession and how they differ from oppression. Can you talk about the difference there? Yeah, so oppression just means the demon has gotten permission from God to attack the person in a very direct way. So it's not just temptation. You're talking about biting, scratching, horrific, repetitive nightmares, sleep deprivation, um, you know, some some other types of assaults on the person. Uh, But that's not possession. So possession is when the person gives in and gives permission for that demon to take their body entirely. And then they take over, you know, the motor system, the senses, uh, sometimes the person is blacked out while the demon's using the body. Sometimes they're aware of it, but they have no control. Um, and the signs of possession that you referenced is knowledge of all languages. So schizophrenia doesn't make you suddenly fluent in ancient languages. Uh, knowing secret things, hidden things. So epilepsy doesn't make you suddenly know the people's secret sins that are in the room. Uh, the third one would be detecting the holy. So being able to tell if something's blessed or not a hundred percent of the time, sometimes being able to tell you like the name of the saints relic that's in your pocket that you haven't mentioned to anybody. And then the fourth one is strength beyond their condition, basically supernatural strength. 
And that's the weakest of the signs because you will see bursts of strength like with psychosis and mental illness. So like the story of Job, God will maybe still give uh, permission today. Is that what you're saying? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, there's exorcists in, in every diocese, or at least there should be, uh, according to the popes. And every exorcist I know has multiple cases going on at all times. So, yes, it still happens. Wow, that is just remarkable. Once again, this book comes out September 18, 2022, The Exorcism Files, True Stories of Dominic, a Demonic Possession. We're going to put this link on thebuffshow.com. But you also talk about dabbling in the occult, and that might uh, opening the door to evil, and that might not just mean a Ouija board. Sure. So any violation of the first commandment is a problem. And what's the first commandment? It's it's put God first and only, you know, only have God in terms of your trust and your spiritual guidance, uh, in terms of any spirit. And so when you turn to other spirits uh, through black magic, you know, cut deals with them, ask them for favors, you're rejecting God, you're breaking your friendship with God and starting a friendship with this other spirit. And so that's at the root of a lot of these demonic problems, is that choosing to turn away from God and turn to these created spirits. And people do that when life isn't going well, when they've had trauma, when they've had wounds, when they feel out of control, when they feel unsafe. And they're looking for comfort about the afterlife. They're looking for a sense of power. They're looking for a sense of control. And these are human weaknesses. But the demon takes advantage of those weaknesses and offers solutions to those things. Now, of course, it doesn't actually deliver. It just plays a game with the person for a while. But in our culture right now, our culture now celebrates a lot of the things that used to be forbidden. So now witchcraft is, uh, in fact, celebrated and encouraged in, in a lot of the media. Uh, Satanism is starting to be normalized. Uh, playing around with, with magic in general is more of seen as a fun, harmless thing. And, you know, the last 2,000 years of experience indicate otherwise. You can put trans dysphoria maybe in that category, would you say? I don't know. I'd have to think that one through. I've, I've honestly never really thought about the gender issues related to this stuff. Um, you know, confusion about your gender wouldn't necessarily mean that you're engaging in the occult. Um, if, I think that's kind of a separate issue. I'm just talking about the feeble mind aspect uh, that you've talked about in the past, where you're, if you're weak in mind, that allows the devil playtime. Yes, it's more about choosing to say yes, as opposed to just being weak. So sure, if you get drunk, you're more likely to make bad choices and say yes to things you wouldn't normally say yes to. If you're using drugs, same thing. But you need to say yes in a culpable way, meaning a way that God is going to respect that choice and allow the demon that activity. So the person basically has to make a choice knowing what they're saying yes to. And it has to be a free will choice before something like possession can happen. If someone sees a case and they think they have a problem, why is it important to rely on a priest or someone like yourself who's trained instead of trying to mess with things yourself? Well, when it comes to possession, well, first off, I would say the common sense first level is you have to rule out the mundane. So it's a big, big mistake to jump to the conclusion something spiritual before you rule out the much more likely possibility that it's a medical problem or a psychological problem. 
and people do this all the time. You know, they get excited and they self-diagnose uh, without ruling those things out. And so the church is, has always had a rule when it comes to possession and exorcism, you have to get an outside medical evaluation uh, in order to see if the, the symptoms the person has can be explained medically and treated. Uh, it's not the doctor's job to diagnose the possession, but it's their job to say, hey, this looks exactly like schizophrenia. It's the church's job to look for those four signs we talked about. So what happens is people without training or any professional ethics about it just encourage the belief that it's demonic and dive in and start doing things. And, and that can cause a lot of harm because if you tell a mentally ill person that this is demonic, they're like, oh, okay, well, somebody else believes me. Maybe I don't need to take my medication. Maybe I don't need to cooperate with treatment. And then they can get worse. And then somebody could end up seriously harmed down the road and you contributed to that harm. The other thing that can happen is, um, and you see this about once a year, there'll be a tragic story in the news about some family that did some misguided attempt at an exorcism and ended up killing somebody, usually through suffocation, through like sitting on them or wrapping them in a blanket or things like this. They're done, you know, by people that have no idea what they're doing. Um, so this is a very serious matter and it should be done with a treatment team that includes their therapist or their doctor or whoever is is also treating them and everybody needs to be a, on the same page. It's not something that you do in your living room on the spur of a moment. Um, it's something that needs to be carefully considered and, and done properly. And finally, last question is the blood of Jesus Christ that makes all the difference in these cases. Is that right? Well, sure. The, the blood of Jesus is, is the redemptive opening of our way back to the father. So, that rift was opened in the garden when Adam and Eve fell, and then Jesus came to open that way back to the Father for us. And it's Jesus that does all of these exorcisms. You know, it's his authority, it's his command by which they finally leave entirely. He does give that authority to his apostles and therefore to his church, but it's ultimately Jesus that's doing all of this. And, it, and it's his love for us and the sacrifice that he made for us this is part of that love. That's why you see it in the Gospels. That's why seven of the Gospel accounts of his major miracles were exorcisms. This is part of the healing that Jesus brings to the world through incarnating and through sacrifice and death. Absolutely. Excellent stuff. I know we covered a lot in a little amount of time. I want everybody to check out the exorcism files, True Stories of Demonic Possession. Sophia Press, check it out on Amazon, everywhere you can pre-order. Adam, thanks so much for your awesome intake today. Oh, thank you, Matt. God bless you today. God bless you, too. That'll do it for this evening's edition of The Buff Show. We'll see you next time.